0: If you're a middle school student or a children's church students, there are classes going on right now. I don't know if they have dismissed formally or not, but always on Sunday mornings we try to have those ministries available to you. And I uh, don't oh, see somebody didn't know that. That's I, I was I was on I was on task. So we just ended a 16-part series that I did that was titled "I'm Better Than This." And it's probably one of the most challenging series that I've ever preached. I, I, was, I was deliberately trying to get you to think about you. For the next two weeks, until my uh, administrative bishop will be here, I, I'm going to preach two sermons that are going to be directly in correlation with what God told me was the vision for this house for this year, which was for us to be uncommonly kind And deliberately connected those are the two things that God spoke into my spirit for this season for this house for us to be uncommonly kind and deliberately connected I think the deliberately connected uh, issue is very obvious why we need to reconnect after the year we came through and the uncommonly kind should also be a, a very obvious reason because we're supposed to be like him and nobody had more kindness than God. Nobody treats you better than Jesus. Nobody does you better than the Holy Ghost. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this morning a, a sermon that I have simply called, Keep It Simple. I'm going to reach way back into my beginnings in the church, my walk with Christ, my beginnings in Pentecost, my beginnings in holiness. And I'm going I'm to try to paint a picture of where the church is So that we can kind of see exactly what the church should look like Because I'm going to tell you something and, and I wanted to go two different directions with this thing And the Lord wouldn't let me I was going to bring some sacred cows up to the front of this auditorium this morning And just sacrifice them in front of all of you Blood, guts, and all Because a lot of the things that we have called church my entire life has no basis in the bible you don't know it but it's true why do you close your eyes when you pray why do preachers demand that you close your eyes everybody with their heads bowed and eyes closed that's not in the bible coming up to pray at the altar and receive jesus not in the bible a lot of things we call church dress codes and and the way we say things none of it is biblical and if it's not biblical why is it that we hold to it so firmly sacred cows but God would not let me do that I have to keep it simple I want to dig a little deeper but I have to keep it keep it simple first Peter chapter 2 is gonna be my text this morning I'm gonna ask you to do something I'm gonna ask you to do something we never do and that is to read with me out loud the Scripture the Word of God I want this thing to set in you and settle in you not to mention I'm gonna be coming back to verse 10 at the end of this message before I ask some people to come up and help me finish preaching this message this morning first Peter chapter 2 beginning with verse 9 are you ready read but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once, say that word again loud, once, who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Give the word a hand clap of worship in this house. You once were not a people who had mercy but you are now a people who have obtained mercy. In other words, there's been a change in you. And and the reason that I, I bring this message is because I want you to recognize what the change looks like from heaven. Because it's not always what you think it's supposed to look like because you gauge your change from what folks see. The change has happened internally. The change matters for eternity. But we gauge how other people see us that's why the Bible says you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people this scripture is all about reminding you that you're not normal look at your neighbor and say you ain't normal will you do that you're not normal This is not a normal church. We should never have an average Sunday because when you come to this building, something ought to happen in your life. It ought to change you forever. So we should be operating above average. We should be believing for miracles. We should be expecting God to show off and do what only God can do. I don't want to be in a normal, average church. I want to be abnormal. I I want to reach people who are far from God. I don't want to entertain people who already have a one-way ticket because we've done that. I want to reach folks that have not heard, have not believed, and have not yet entered into the kingdom. I want to bridge the gap between God and those who need Him. Hello, You're not normal. You're not designed to blend in. You were created to stand out. But let's examine what that means, shall we? Because for years, and I'm not talking about five years, ten years. I'm talking about for hundreds of years. The church has misinterpreted what it meant to stand out. I grew up in the old-time holiness church today is Independence Day we're gonna go up on our very own property and we're gonna have us a party and we're gonna celebrate Independence Day together as a church family and when I grew up all of us brothers be up there in suits and ties all you sisters be up there in denim skirts down to here with big long sleeves with frills on the end and all your hair be pulled up in them buns them beehive hairdos because we were holiness people and we thought that to stand out meant that we had to dress like nobody else or we stood out all right especially on the 4th of July we thought that that made us holy what it really made us was sweaty We were under the misinterpretation that to stand out meant we could not look, act, perform in any way, shape, or form like the world, lest we be worldly. But when I read my Bible, I found out that worldly doesn't mean, and I'll get into this deeper next Sunday, it doesn't mean what we thought it meant. No, 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 no. There's all kinds of things in the Bible that's worldly. How I come to church dressed ain't it. How I go to the park on Independence Day ain't it so what does it mean for us to be special what's it mean for us to be abnormal what's it mean for God's people to stand out well let's keep it simple shall we God has a mission for you he's got a vision for your life sometimes that's going to mean that you have to be willing to do things other folks won't do and you're gonna have to be willing to say no to things that most other folks will say yes to because you're not normal. Let's examine this scripture again. He reminds us how abnormal we are. You are a chosen people. Seven billion people on this planet and God chose you. You're pretty special. You are pretty special. You are a royal priesthood. we've lost something in the church we've lost recognizing spiritual authority and i'm not just talking about you recognizing me as spiritual authority that's dangerous in and of itself because one of the most dangerous things that can happen in a church is when people become so familiar with their pastor that they stop recognizing their calling when they take their anointing for granted and they, they, that is dangerous for any church. But I'm not just talking about the authority that you recognize on me. I'm talking about specifically the authority you miss in yourself. We have lost in the body of Christ the priestly authority that believers walk around in. See, the priest had authority. Everywhere the priest went, he had authority. And you are a royal priesthood. When you walk through your life and you are surrendered to Christ, you walk with authority. Believer, hold your head high. Square your shoulders back. Dare the devil to mess with you. You should be walking around in authority. When your kids go off the rails, it shouldn't intimidate you. It ought to make you mad. When when your marriage is going sideways, it shouldn't make you want to cry to Dr. Phil. It ought to make you put your foot down and say, devil, I don't know who you think you're playing with, but that doesn't fly in this house. I have authority. When you walk into a room, the authority of God walks in with you. Do you understand that? It's not just an employee walking into work. It's God and his anointed walking into that place of business. You have been robed in the authority of God. Favor doesn't just accidentally find you. It doesn't just bump into you. It doesn't rub off on you in this altar. Favor follows you because of the authority in your life. That means wherever you go, you operate in the favor of God. So you shouldn't be walking around wringing your hands, wondering. No, no, no. You ought to take authority over everything that would be a stumbling block to you and fulfilling God's purpose for your life. I can't tell you that I know every answer to every prayer, but I will tell you this. There's a couple of prayers that I know for a fact God will always answer. One is if you say, God, I want to be closer to you, God's going to say, yep. Absolutely, because James 4 and 8 says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. He's bound by his word. If you want to be closer to God, there's no excuse why you're not. Another prayer that I know God will answer is when you say, God, go ahead of me. I do not want to overstep my boundaries I want to make sure that I'm walking in your authority and your plan for my life and God will say as long as you are submitted to me I will make the crooked way straight I'll be a bridge over troubled waters and I'll make sure your feet never slip keep it simple Do you know where we get into trouble in life when we try to figure everything out ourselves more on that in a minute number three it also says that you are a holy nation now let's stop right here I got something to say because most preachers stop there's half and half half of the preachers only want to talk about you being a royal priesthood and a chosen generation because that makes you feel good that it feels good for me to tell you how awesome you are how blessed your life is and then there's other half of the preachers now they'd be up here in a suit and tie this morning and they want to tell you to live holy but every time the pastor starts talking about you living holy some of you stub up and say well he just stopped preaching and started meddling I came to church to get encouraged preacher don't be don't be messing with my decision-making the message of holiness has been through out of a lot of churches for two reasons either because we don't want to live holy so it's easier to ignore it than it is to deal with it and change or because we really don't understand what true holiness is for years and years and years the churches I've went to and even this church as I pastored it we tried to make people conform into an image to prove that they were holy Jesus saw that image in men called Pharisees men who knew the law men who kept the law men who dressed totally appropriately and at the same time jesus looked at him and said you are whitewashed sepulchres full of dead men's bones because you look churchy on the outside But what's going on in the inside has kept you far from faith, and you don't believe in God's plan, and you don't think that God can do what God can do because you are in control of your own church Christianity. I don't have time to dig into this, but that's what the church has done for years and years and years. We have tried to control what Christianity is supposed to act like, do like, and dress like because I felt like if I could look at you, I could tell if you stood out, if you was different by the way you dress. You come to church, Christians ought to come to church, and I agree with that statement. But I've also met some folks that came to church, dressed right, knew scripture, followed the law, had a tongue about that long, forked on the end. They dressed right, which caused them to judge folks that didn't. They kept the law, which caused them to talk about the folks who didn't. And I read a lot of scriptures about doing right and acting right, but we also in the church have been guilty of stepping over top of a lot of scriptures that talks about being kind and not opposing one another and not fighting with one another and being genuine and being tenderhearted and full of mercy. We don't talk about any of those things. All we want to talk about is making people do right. So what's true holiness? If we're going to stand out, if we're going to be different, what is true holiness? It is very simple. Be uncommonly kind. There are things in this world that are hateful and mean-spirited, and they are breaking the back of people's faith. And COVID was a terrible, terrible season where we lost a lot of people to health issues, but we lost even more to emotional and mental problems people's faith got broke in humanity and people came out of it mean and people have came out of it without hope and they've come out of it in despair and if we're going to be unlike them it don't matter whether I got alligator loafers or Jordans on that has no relevance what is relevant is do I have faith and am I kind that's different see I've got the suits hanging in my closet back home I still got the, the loafers, I still got the snakeskin shoes, and I could wear them out here on Sunday, but loggers dress like that. Bankers dress like that. Hello? Businessmen all over this town, they dress just like that. Doesn't put them any closer to God. And it never did me either. You know what puts me closer to God? Having faith. That he's got all the answers that I'm going to need, and being kind like Jesus—that's what puts me closer to God. Keep it simple. I'm from the old school when I used to preach uh, when I used to preach revivals and get a young man up to the ch- uh, from the church. The church would take him if he didn't have any money, take him out to buy him a suit because you can't serve God without a suit. Which, by the way, they was going to go to the Goodwill and buy it, and it, the sleeves was going to be down to here. And the jacket was going to hang to here, and you could wrap it all the way around him. Because it wasn't going to fit right. And the pants was going to be way too long and they be up here. And, and none of it was going to fit right. But bless God, he's holy now. And, and, and I preached a revival one night, and a little girl, I call her a little girl, she was probably 18, 19 years old, she came up to the front of the church, and the first thing them church mothers did, she came up after three nights of me preaching my guts out, and not one person getting saved, this little girl finally submits and surrenders her life to God. She comes to the altar, and them church mothers gather around her, and they started wiping off the makeup off of her and taking earrings out of her ears. And they told her, says, when you come back to church on Sunday, have a dress. And my heart broke. I had preached until I couldn't move for three days. Because all, and all them people was worried about was whether she came back to church, she had a dress, because now you're saved, you've got to have a dress to come to God's house. That's not holiness. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. But check this out. You are also a holy nation. And there's no qualification for how you're going to dress in that role. there's no qualification not only how you dress how often you attend sir I got quiet in this mortuary he doesn't qualify it he says you are a chosen generation here's where we missed it in the body of Christ we forgot who chose us. it wasn't the board of the church it wasn't the pastor the pastor's wife it wasn't the people sitting in the pews he chose us And if he appointed us and anointed us, we don't need anybody else's opinion. So the message of holiness has been lost because either we don't know what it looks like or because somehow the church got to the point where we decided that being liked by the world was more important than being right with God. And we don't want to offend anybody, so we don't challenge them to live right. And for years, we used the message of holiness to scream at people who wasn't doing it like we were doing it. That's what we've done in the church. We have, we have perverted the message of holiness because we point out flaws and problems other people have. And quite frankly, we usually use the standard of holiness that nobody ever felt good enough. I, I'm going to tell you, I never felt good enough in church. Because we had set the standard of holiness so high that I never felt like I was good enough and if I didn't I studied this word six hours a day I prayed a minimum of an hour a day and if I couldn't live up to it what hope did the drug addicts have that was coming to the body what hope did the woman who would had an abortion last month what hope did they have if I couldn't feel like I was good enough if holiness was out of reach for me And yet, the Bible says without holiness, we can't see God. The Bible says that, or we believe in the church of God that holiness should be God's standard of living for His people. God said, Be ye holy, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. We believe in holiness, but we put so many rules and restrictions on it, I never felt like I was good enough. And if the pastor can't be holy, how do we have a chance for anybody else to reach it we would drop the ball and here's what we did we set ourselves up you ready for this as the church because we didn't keep it simple we set this big high standard that none of us could reach and then when we made a mistake everybody was watching Because we had pointed our fingers at people for so long and said, you don't do it right and you don't do it right and you don't do it right. Your sins are different than my sins, so your sins are are worse. And then when we had a problem, everybody saw us drop the ball and the message of holiness was totally without power. So it's true that the Bible tells us to be holy because God's holy. It says there's a highway of holiness and we ought to be on it. Isaiah, when he got in the presence of a holy God, Isaiah realized his lips was unclean and that he he would not be able to uh, talk in front of God because God was so holy. And it says that without holiness, we can't see God. But let me tell you what the Bible also says. The Bible says you are the righteousness of God in and through Christ Jesus. That means that you don't have to work for it it was given to you the Bible also says that you are foreigners in exile and what that literally means is that you're not of this world yeah so it's okay if you look at your neighbor sometimes say you're out of this world because we're not of this world we're foreigners in exile You are a son or a daughter of the king of kings who is above every other king. And, and here's where I'm going to preach the rest of my message, whose kingdom is not of this world. We have been measuring holiness by the wrong standards. The reason we have not preached and taught holiness correctly is because we have been trying to wrap holiness in an earthly wrapper. Now, I love America. And today's the day we celebrate the date of her independence. But I prioritize my citizenship in heaven over my citizenship here. Listen, I'm a patriot. I love America. I believe in that my son served in, in, in the army. I, I, am, I am an American. I'll stand up for America. But when when the time comes for me to violate my allegiance to one or the other I will stand with the kingdom before I stand with America because I refuse to fight over things some of y'all about ready to fight me now I refuse to fight over things that are temporary that may damage my witness for things that are eternal and if one of my two worlds has to suffer, I will disengage from the battle here so that I might win somebody to the battle on the spiritual realm. The older I have got, the more I have discovered I do not have to participate in every argument I'm invited to. I don't care who you voted for. I just don't care. You can vote for Mickey Mouse. I ain't going to fight with you over I don't care, did you get a shot, did you get a sh- not get a shot, I don't care, I refuse to battle you over stuff that in a hundred years when your body is dust, it's not going to matter, but what will matter was, was I kind to you? Did I represent Jesus? Because that's what holiness looks like. Holiness has nothing to do with the choices I make about this world. How I dress, uh, who I vote for, whether I got a vaccine, whether I did. None of that is holiness. What is holiness is that I walk through this world and I don't allow what's outside to get on the inside of. That's holiness. When the whole world is being mean and cruel and hateful and spiteful, I'm able to stand out. You want to stand out? Forget the suits and ties. Forget the denim skirts. If you want to stand out, go on Facebook and say something nice. That makes you different because everybody else is putting opinions and criticisms and they got dogmas and ideas. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 19. He said, the world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you're no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of this world. So it hates you. You know why your difficulties are, are popping up everywhere? Because the world hates us. The world will never understand why you do what you do as a Christian. That's holiness, that's standing out. Why are you not caught up in the same arguments that everybody else is? Because my home ain't here. I, it just it none of that stuff matters to me you know why because when I draw my last breath here it won't make a difference who's in the White House it won't make a difference whether somebody had a had a, a, a had the, the government had conspiracies none of that'll matter you know what'll matter when I draw my last breath here I'll draw my first breath on streets of gold I'll be in the arms of my savior that's what matters and when I've left this earth when they speak over my my eulogy I don't care if they say I was a Republican I don't I don't care if they call me a democrat. I want them to say he was a man who believed that his father was going to welcome him into the pearly gates. Let that be my testimony. That's holiness. Holiness means I stand out. But not how I dress. Because I can dress any old way and still not stand out from the world. I stand out from the world by being uncommonly kind in a cruel world. Do you realize do you realize that we complain about a lot of stuff as Christians that ain't supposed to matter as Christians do you realize that we want that the world will never understand us so why do we continually try to make them we complain about politicians we complain about their policies we gripe about wickedness and debauchery in the world can I give you a secret sinners going to sin do you realize that that Bible that you carry around well you don't carry a Bible anymore do you realize that Bible that's dusty back at your house do you realize that most of that book is not written to get goats to act like sheep most of that book is written to wheat saying please stop acting like tares If you are mine, would you please start acting like it? Would you please stop acting like everybody that's going on around you? That's what the, the book is written to get us to quit acting like them. We keep yelling at the world. We keep trying to explain Christianity to people who don't want to hear it. When what we have been called to do is live differently. And simply give them Jesus. We in the church have managed to take the most simple story ever told and complicate More on that next week. How complicated we've made this thing. The simple story is God loved you enough to send His one and only Son to die on a cross for your sins and mine and if you ever get to the point where you think your life is too jacked up to be worth anything wait until you see how much Jesus loves you and he'll come into your life and he will turn your life around and he will show you what real love feels like and then we start screaming at each other I got Baptist friends and I got friends that are in other denominations and we start screaming at each other but what about This belief. Y'all don't speak in tongues. You're not going to heaven. Then they're over here yelling at me saying, You speak in tongues, you're not going to heaven. How you using that Bible? You know the King James Bible is the only word of God. Y'all sing them worldly songs. Y'all don't sing them red back. Y'all sing them worldly songs. Really, I don't know a lot of worldly songs talks about Jesus. See, I had, a much, I had a much meaner and leaner way of preaching this. Here was my idea, and the Holy Ghost didn't let me. So I'm going to defy him and tell you anyway. My sermon this morning was going to be called, Who'd You Bring to Church? And I was gonna have a whole bunch of people who brought somebody to church. And one person was gonna bring their prejudice to church. So they look for a church that looks like them. They want the same kind of money to be made and the same skin color and the same beliefs and the same politics and the same everything. So they they bring their prejudice to church. And then I was gonna have somebody that was gonna bring their preference to church because I want a church that sings my kind of songs and the preacher acts the way I want him to and he's got he's got just enough Holy Ghost that he don't scare me and he's got just enough conviction to hit everybody else but make me feel okay so who'd you bring to church this morning God wouldn't let me preach that so that was y'all didn't pay me for that that was just simple God made the story simple we made it hard and in this stage of the world's existence I want to pastor a church that can keep it simple I want to lead a church that is able to look at people and say Jesus died for people just like you And you may not look like me, and I may not be feeling everything that's going on in the world, but in order for you to come to Jesus, if this is what it takes, there is nothing more important than sinners finding repentance. So I'm in it to win it, no matter what the Holy Ghost has to do, no matter what it sounds like, no matter what it feels like. Do you realize that every time new people come in, it's going to make you uncomfortable? you know how uncomfortable I made folks? I came into the Malcolm Church of God, I had beat some of them people up. I was already saved when I got into my hometown. We were going to church in another town. I'd gotten saved, dedicated my life. I was, I was sold out. By the time I got into the Malcolm Church of God, there was people there saying, what's he here for? Because they, I was just like the Apostle Paul. The old group didn't want me and the new group wasn't sure of me. And I walked into the Malcolm Church of God and there was people in there that I had literally beat up on the front porch of their house. And they sitting in there going, oh, boy. And I made them uncomfortable. When new people show up, it's going to make you uncomfortable because there's going to, be... there are going to be people come in here with so many hang-ups, it will curl your hair. If they ever got honest with you and told you their story, it would make you freak out because you would not believe somebody like that could be standing in an altar and giving Jesus praise. But that's exactly who Jesus Christ died for. Keep it simple. Keep it so what's holiness? What's holiness? If the pastor can preach with holes in— his, I did this on by the way—if he can preach with holes in his jeans and wearing Jordans, what's holiness? How do I know who's holy? It shouldn't be that hard. Keep it simple. How are you treating people? Because listen, listen. For years, I feel like the church has made simple things complicated. But when I read the story of Jesus, He took complicated things and made them simple. They kept bringing him all these Old Testament laws that nobody understood. And because he was the Word made flesh, he simplified hard things. I used to think that it was insulting. Some of y'all, Alicia, Scott, you guys have been here with me a long time. I used to think it was insulting if somebody told me my preaching was simple. Because I prided myself on going deep. I did. I I, listen. You want to talk about types and shadows? I got them. You want to talk about the dragon in the Book of Revelation? I got it in spades. You want you want to talk about some of the? You want to talk about Ezekiel's wheel inside the wheel? I can talk about it all. But who's that winning to Jesus these days? How how is that making anything clear clear for those that have never been in church before? When I preached at forty-seven, about four years ago. And I mentioned Samson in one of my sermons and somebody came to one of the ushers when the service was over and asked who I was talking about because they'd never heard of Samson. I realized then I got to quit going so deep and start going wide. I have to start keeping it simple because let's be honest. I've done a lot of deep preaching over the years and we ain't got the simple stuff down yet some of us that fancy ourselves swimming in the deep end of theology are still in the kiddie pool of keeping it clean and make, making each other feel good and being kind so we want to know deep things but we want to practice kiddie pool Oh, it's quiet in here keep it simple Jesus took complicated things and made them simple. And I used to get offended if somebody told me my preaching was simple. And now I say, thank you, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Because what Jesus did was took what everybody was trying to complicate and make it so simple that even a child could understand it. Because Jesus knew that if he complicated the message, they wouldn't understand it. And if they don't understand it, they can't receive it. And if they can't receive it, it can't heal them. So here in this scripture, Jesus is addressing two systems. One is the system of the word. The other is the system of the world. What does holiness really look like? The system of the word means that I live my life based on the word of God. The other one is the system of the world where I let the world define exactly how I react and live so holiness is the way I'm supposed to live it's a kingdom system it's a system of the word not like the world system a lot of what we do doesn't make sense to the world because we're we're underneath two different systems so I have to live with the reality that not everybody's going to be like me and if they're not like me they won't like me if you became a Christian so everybody would like you you should have started selling ice cream. If you want everybody like you, sell ice cream. If you if <laughs> you should not become a Christian, so everybody will accept you. So how are we going to know what holiness looks like? Or what, how how are we going to go into this kingdom of the word and live in a kingdom of the world? Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Four things. You need to retrain the brain you need to retrain your brain because for the past 16 months you've been hardwired into thinking differently than you've ever thought before still to this day when I get ready to get out, my, uh, get out of my truck I'm like I gotta get a mask oh no I don't need a mask anymore you've been hardwired to think things that you never thought before you realize that your brain is made up of 86 billion things called neurons Neurons travel 250 miles per hour through your brain. And you thought your husband had no neuron firing at all. Neurons carry the messages through your brain. They're simply information carriers. If if something makes you smile, neurons is the reason why. If something makes you angry, it's neurons that are carrying the impulse. And just think about what messages you've been exposed to these past 16 months negative, soul-sucking news. This is bad. This, is, this is some, Here's something to make you angry. There's racial injustice. There's uh, COVID shots that nobody wants to take, and these people are getting sick from it, and there's been 100 people got sick out of a million, so look at the 100 that got sick. Oh, look at the cities that are burning down, but don't pay any attention to the other cities that aren't burning down because they're cost, constantly trying to wire your brain to think negative thoughts because negativity makes you keep tuning in. The average person has 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. 12,000 to 60,000. You thought he was brain dead. Now it's true. He might be closer to the 12,000 than the 60. But there's something going on up there, ladies. Something going on up there. So 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Get this. Of those, 95% of those thoughts are repeats. You're only having 5% original thoughts today. Everything else, almost 95% of them are repeats because it's a cycle. What I had yesterday has now become today. Oh, I can't ever get any better. Why? Because I brought, today and I brought yesterday and today. What I thought bad was, was bad yesterday is even worse today because I'm still thinking about And I can't fix yesterday, by the way. It is immovable, unshakable, because it's imaginary. Hear me, hear me, child of God. Yesterday is an imagination in your brain. You can't fix it. You can't make up for it. It's done. It's gone. Hey, Solomon says live for today because you're not invited into tomorrow, and yesterday is a vapor. of what you think today is a repeat from the past. And you can fix none of it. And get this, of the 95% that's repeats, 87% of that are negative thoughts. You need to retrain your brain. Because if all you're thinking about is stuff that you can't fix, and most of it's negative, no wonder we got people wanting to commit suicide. No wonder we got people who have to take a pill to go to bed and another one to get out of bed in the morning. No wonder. And it, ha- it has very little to do with what's going on around us and what's going on upstairs. I'll never get that job. Why, why won't you get the job today? Because I thought about it yesterday. Oh, nobody wants to cut. Ca- nobody ever calls me. The kids don't call. And nobody church cares. And, nobody, and, and, and why are you so down in the dumps? Because I thought about it yesterday and now it's even worse today. What somebody did to me. Yesterday I've thought about it and I've thought about it and I've thought about it And I've drugged that dead stinky carcass all the way into today And here it is laying in front of me and it's dead because it's yesterday But I'm still thinking about it like it's fresh And it's negative and there's no resurrection for yesterday So why are you still thinking about it? That's why Sundays are so important Because when I get you in this room, I'm trying to retrain your brain. I'm trying Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So instead of you thinking about all the negative stuff from yesterday, when you get in this room and I start preaching scriptures like this, you start saying, wait a minute, devil, I am more than an overcomer. Wait a minute, I am the head and not the tail. Hold on just a second. Before I start thinking about all that mess, I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I lay down. I'm blessed when I get up. You have to retrain your brain. For this past year, a lot of people have stopped thinking about God. And all they've thought about is CNN or Fox or whatever brand you're partial to. And what it is, you're thinking about what other people tell you to think about. When Paul says, if you want to really be happy, think on these things. And it ain't got nothing to do with what's coming out of that television. Think on things that are pure and lovely and good and true and right and admirable. Think on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If you can't give God praise for it, why are you sitting there consuming hours of it? The second thing we've got to do if we're going to live in this world and be holy, we've got to be culturally informed but never conformed. We need to be informed about what's going on. But we can't conform to what's going on like I need to know as a Christian when my rights are being infringed but I don't have to conform and by the way we I told you there's a lot of things we've done wrong in the church we think that when we talk about conforming it means we got to sin like they sin I'm not talking about that I'm talking about we sin a different way see some of us conform to the world because we engage the public battle and give Christianity a black eye. I'm gonna stand up for my rights as a Christian. Be careful, because sometimes standing up for your rights puts you wrong. Because when you start name calling, you wrong. When you be crass and crude and you start being belligerent to other people guess what jesus died for them people the democrats the people who's got abortions the people who got the vaccine the people that didn't get the vaccine he died for all of them and so when you start being ungodly to people who jesus died for and puts value on now you're not conforming to their actions but you're conforming to their sin Ooh, it got quiet in here well we got to stand up for what's right what's right What's right is me treating the world like God treats me, which is no matter how often I mess up, He welcomes me with open arms and says, I love you anyway. That's holiness. Be culturally informed but not conformed. See, trends will come and go. What's popular today will not be popular tomorrow, but God's standards will never change. 1 Peter 1 and 25 says, But the word of the Lord remains how often? Forever. Forever. What he says will remain forever. Trends, not so much. I'll be honest with you. There's some trends that I'm glad are no longer trends. And then you ladies wear poodle skirts. Now, this is dating you if you wore poodle skirts. Don't raise your hands. This is going to date you. Because I don't remember poodle skirts, but I'm kind of glad you ladies don't wear them to church every Sunday. I'm glad that's not your... I'm glad bell-bottoms and them big dookie fly uh, collars are no longer a trend. I know some people wear bell-bottoms, but y'all still didn't wear them like they wore them. I was the youngest of four kids. They had real bell-bottoms. My my sister had the bell-bottoms that she thought somebody was following her around. because there was so much material hanging off the back of her legs. It was sound like her and three other people walked into the room. If she wasn't wearing a miniskirt up to here, it was bell bottoms back to there. I'm glad that's no longer a trend. How about this one? How about the big hair or the shoulder pads? How about the show? Does any of you women have the shoulder pads still hanging in the back of your closet somewhere? Ed rhoda has got them. I figured it'd be Rhoda Listen, listen, if you listen, ever all the women in the 80s had to How about the big hair? How about how Aquanet basically destroyed the ozone layer of the earth because of all the 80s girls? Like you had to have your friend come into the room to spray because you couldn't reach the top. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I went to school with these girls. Not these girls, but them girls. How about this? Where my mullet brothers at? I had a mullet, I rocked that thing. Yeah, Brother Todd says I would grow one right now if I could just grow one. That's what he's saying. (laughs) I feel you, brother. I told my wife, I said, if God would just put hair back up there, I'd grow a mullet just so I could show off how much hair I had. I didn't appreciate it when I had it. Yeah, I'm glad this is no longer a thing, fellas. I had one, but I'm glad we put this trend to bed. So some trends are not going to last, and everybody says, thank God. A church that is not of this world a church that's going to be out of this world will always decide to not conform to what this world is doing the third thing we're gonna have to do is trust God's opinion of us I told you keep it simple this is simple sometimes you have to see healing before you walk in it you have to trust God's opinion of you the Bible says by his stripes His opinion is that you're healed. His opinion is that you're healed. I got any believers in the church this morning? His opinion, but pastor, I'm hurting. Right, I get it pastor I still got pain yep I understand pastor I still got to get the surgery I understand all of that sometimes you have to see it before you never walk in it and you got to trust God's opinion of you and God calls you more than an overcomer and sometimes you will feel like your whole world is unraveling and falling apart but that doesn't change God's opinion of you and he says you're an overcomer he says you're the head and not the tail he says you're above and not beneath and you need to trust what God says about you not how you feel keep it simple If God has a great opinion of you your opinion shouldn't matter sometimes you have to believe you're gifted because you don't feel gifted you're more anointed than you know you are Bible says he called you why would he call you and not equip you God's with you God's for you he's in you he's around you there's literally no place you can go to get away from God we know what God sees when God looks down from heaven, we know what he sees, but what do you see when you look in the mirror? When you look at yourself, do you always see yourself as broke? Because if you do, you're you're always going to live up to that standard. Do you always see yourself as lonely? Because if you see yourself as lonely, you're going to do two, one of two things. Either you're going to make terrible choices and attach yourself to the wrong people or you're going to push everybody away because you feel like you should always be lonely how do you see yourself when you end up doing God's job for him you have taken a place that you do not deserve can I tell you I'm not called to open my own doors God opens doors for me my only job is to understand which ones he's open and have the boldness to step through them and say here I am Lord now what do I do now so you have to see yourself like God's keep it simple and number four don't let where you've been keep you from where you're headed don't let where you've been you walk in this room and you see somebody like me that and my testimony is, you know, I've been preaching this gospel for almost 25 years. And you're like, I, I, I can't. He, he don't understand me. I Trust me, I understand you more than you think I do. But more importantly, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because where you've been can never stop where God's taken you to. Listen to what... Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. Now, there were some Greeks. Everybody say Greeks. Now, look at your neighbor and say, that's not a Jew. There were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship. There were Greeks. They're not Jews. And they are among the Jews who are going to worship. These are outsiders going to church. These are are people who don't belong to the church, heading to church with church folk. Verse 21, these people came to Philip and were making a request of him, saying, Sir, I don't know how y'all do it here at Promise of Victory. I don't even want to tell you that I'm a Greek, and by being Greek, that means that I've worshipped many gods in my life can I tell you that Greeks in Jesus's day worshiped a lot of God's most of them had to do with sex and fertility so these people who just showed up at church some Sunday they have been outliving the worst that life has to offer they've been worshiping goddesses that permitted them to have sex in the streets and the girls that got pregnant was considered the most holy these people who worshiped many gods and had never acted holy a day in their life, showed up at church and asked Peter, Philip, Sir, I'd like to see Jesus. I don't know how y'all do it here at this church, but can I see Jesus? I don't really want to tell you my history because I've got some bondages that I've got some heartache I, I've been some doing some terrible things I really don't want to get into it but I want to see Jesus I, I really don't want to bear my soul I really I really I really hope that you don't know who I am I really hope you don't know what I've been doing and and who I've been doing it with but I really wanna see Jesus can I tell you that there are people that promise a victory who have been where you've been and the only thing that they want to do is show you Jesus can I tell somebody that this morning you are in the right place This is not that kind of church where we're going to hold such a high standard of holiness that you will never feel like you can reach it. Because some of us, up to and including this preacher, have been exactly where you are. And some of us have failed God. Even after we committed back to him, we have failed him. And we will stand up and represent and say, if God has done it for me, God can do it in you. And we will not judge you for where you've been because where you've been can't keep you from where you're going. There's not a devil in hell that can stop God's purpose that he has put in your life. If you walk surrendered to him, you are going somewhere with him. And promise of victory, can I tell you that people are going to be coming into these doors every Sunday saying one thing, I want to see Jesus. I don't want to see some fake phony presentation of holiness and what people that go to church look like. I don't want to see, I've seen all that, but I, I haven't seen Jesus. I want to see the one that can heal me. I want to see the one that can make me whole. I want to see the one that can give me strength. I want to see the one that can break the bondages off my life. I've tried everything else. I want to see. Is there anybody in the house of God? Is there anybody in the family of faith? Promise of Victor, do we got any church folk that'll say, I want to show people Jesus? I just want them to see. When I come to church on Sunday, I don't want them to see some made up, pretend version of myself. I want people to see, that's holiness. That's holiness. That's holiness. Whether you got a suit and tie, on, whether you got a denim skirt on, or whether you got ripped up Jesus, if I can show you the love of heaven, in the middle of a world that is trying to convince you that everything is falling apart if I can tell you about the one who can put it all back together that makes me stand out that makes me different it has nothing to do with the shoes I wear it has to do with the container that I am and whether you see Jesus coming out of me and I've asked some people to come help me preach the end of this message because I want you to know that you're not by yourself you're not alone some of you are sitting here thinking if you only knew what I carried in here I want you to see Jesus I want you to see Jesus when you walk in the promise of victory I don't care if you see me I'm not going to dress all flashy and make you, because who I am is unimportant. It's who I present to you that matters. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. So I've got some people that are going to come forward, and I'm just going to let them come one at a time. But before we do that, I've asked the praise team to sing a song that just rips my heart out every time. It Comes on the radio. All throughout my history. I want, to, I want God to show his evidence. I want people to see the evidence of God in my life. The winter storms made way for spring. In every season, from where we were once people who had no mercy the evidence of God on your life didn't exist but that's not the case now you have been redeemed I see the evidence of his goodness not because I dress like a priest but because I am a priest I'm a royal priesthood I don't wear the big old hat they wore or the robes because it had nothing to do with how I was dressed. It had to do with who was inside of me and the evidence of His goodness is all over my life. And I want you to know that and I want you to take an image home with you today and sometimes we forget where He found us and what He's done to us and what He's done for us. So I've asked some people to come and I'm just going to ask them one at a time wherever they are. I don't even know who they are. I just want them to come and one at a time just stand in the front of this room and bring your testimony. And we're going to see the evidence.